Hi everyone, Kirsty here. Look, I thought I'd better just jump in at the beginning here with a little disclaimer. Nikki and I were so excited to get starting with our recording again with the new season and jumped on yesterday and recorded the entire episode and then I realised I had my microphone pointing in the wrong direction. So you would think after six seasons I may have learned, but alas no. Anyway, just a quick disclaimer to say apologies. I do sound like I'm recording from the basement and yelling out to you from the other side of the room. Nikki, of course, sounds fabulous, so not all is lost. Uh, But I promise next week I'll be better. We'll be back. I'll talk to you then. Thanks. Bye. And welcome to the new season of Two Fat Expats. If this isn't your first time here, well then you know that when we say fat, it has nothing to do with the bathroom scales or excess luggage. It's about making the most of your expat adventure and filling it up with as much as you can so that when it's all over, there's no regrets, you've lived a fat expat life. I'm Kirsty Rice. I'm an Aussie expat who's based in Doha, Qatar, and this is... Hello. Nikki Moffat, who's another Aussie, but Nikki's in Hamburg, Germany. Together we've lived in, how many is it, Nikki? 12 countries. And we have six children who were all born in different locations. We consider ourselves experts in all matters of the geographically challenged. We know what it's like to pack up yet another kitchen, wave goodbye to that brilliant hairdresser it took you 12 months to find, and make those first steps into the brand new office, or worse, the new school, where both you and your children are searching for new friends. Okay, are we ready for the new season? Let's do this, Nikki. How are you? I'm very fine. Thank you, Kirsty. How are you? I'm good and I'm enjoying our new music for our new season where everything is new. Everything is new. Well, everything is new and it's the same and a little bit different. So in this new season, what we're going to do the same is we're going to be bringing you all the best ideas and tips for living a fat expat life. We're going to bring you interviews of those living, loving, striving, and sometimes just surviving expat life. And sometimes not. And what we're doing differently is we're going to be mixing it up. We're not confined to the regular running sheet this season. We're going to be bringing you some specific interviews from expats all over the world. And we're going to problem solve. We're going to make some new friends. We're going to get our money sorted. And we're going to share some of the best expat holiday destinations. Sounds good. Let's get started. So I want to ask you how we met. Oh, Oh, that was so much fun. So we went to a YWCA, YMCA, whatever it was, meeting, uh, meet you friends meeting. Um, And what I most remember about that is actually not so much you, but our mutual lovely friend, Mary, Um, (laughs) and her uh, sharing her glorious bottom with us all, Um, not in, in real life, but, you know, sort of, you know, showing it off, clothes, and all the crazy people that we met. In fact, it was a fabulous way uh, to meet people in Hong Kong, and I still miss that wonderful group of friends that we made in that first time, and it 
was essential for us really. Um, we, you know, as you know, we went through a difficult time and having that group of friends was fundamentally important when you're away from family. And I always will remember that first meeting really, really fondly. It was just hilarious. So that's where we met, but how do you think we became friends? Because I, I think something different. No, I, I remember that. Ooh. Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I remember. You had a dinner party and you invited some of us to the and It was your first dinner party in Hong Kong. And you served, let me tell you what you served, you served salmon and beans with anchovies. And I don't eat any seafood. <laughs> And I said to Sam before we went, I want to be friends with this girl. So whatever happens, we're, and he was kicking me under the table the whole time. He said, I'm going to tell them you don't eat Sam. And I said, you are not going to tell them. So the whole time under the table, he's kicking me and I'm pouring so much sauce on my salmon. <laughs> and anchovies. Oh, <laughs> anchovies and green beans. I thought, who serves anchovies with green beans? I still cook it all the time, you know. <laughs> Oh, God, I can't remember that dinner party, sadly. But I do remember the friendship, if that helps. No. <laughs> I can't believe I served salmon and actually those things to people I was just wanting to know. Anyway. <laughs> Hello. Oh, it's so good to hear your Hello, voice. Hello, darling. How did we meet? We went to the theatre, but I have no idea what we went to watch. But it was a fabulous <gasps> production oh. of some sort <laughs> and, uh, and um, we went with another couple who I think vaguely knew you guys and then in true Kirsty and Greg spirit after the um, the show said everybody back to my place and Andrew and I jumped on board as quick as can be and ended up staying at your house till I think was it four o'clock in the morning <laughs> Um, and the rest is history. <laughs> Do I have that right? <laughs> no, you have it wrong, which is fine because this seems to be a, um, this is a recurring theme in relationships of people saying, how did we meet? And you can see that people who've had long-term friendships over the time, they, they can have two very different stories. So now, number one, I'm happy that you haven't remembered that I still hold a grudge that you, you, you actually can't remember meeting me for the first time. And I think this, <laughs> this might be the story no! of my life because I distinctly remember you at school and being introduced to you and thinking, oh, she looks quite nice. But I could tell that I had not registered on your radar at all. Do you know, it was like a hi, hi, and you, you were off. But then what happened was I had tickets to, we went to see Richard the, was it Richard the Eighth with Kevin Spacey. Yeah. That was the yeah. show. So That's the show. Okay. And that got me kudos, I think, with you, that you thought, oh, okay, maybe she's not too bad because she's got these tickets to Richard VIII. So, yeah, and you wanted, <laughs> you wanted to go to that. And you were like, oh, yeah, we want to do that as well. It was, it was the longest show in all history. Like it went for hours and hours It was three hours, hours or something, yeah. And we met in the car park afterwards and we were like, oh, we don't I know. I remember that. Yeah, and we were like, oh, we don't 
know these people very well and it's it's quarter to 12 like is it bad if we say do you want to come for a drink and they're going to think we're really odd and of course because you were Erica and Andrew you were like yeah of course we'll come for a drink and yes it was it was a (laughs) 4 a.m finish all right now the second question why do you think we became friends that's an interesting one I think well there was an immediate click and I think we were probably both looking for something. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like wherever I've lived, I've, you know, always had lots of acquaintances, but I, I always like to have a, a core friendship. And I think I was lacking that. And I think, um, especially as couples, that's something really difficult to find. And the fact that we felt mutually connected to you and Greg as a couple, Andrew and I, um, that was just so super cool. Yes. Um, because that doesn't happen very often. No. Where it's a, it's a double match. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was also a Southern Hemisphere connection. Yeah, definitely. What do you think? I think I can remember, I remember just really like almost falling in love with your honesty. I don't think I had ever met anyone, and still to this day, they just laid it all out on the table right there and then. Do you know, like I knew. Ooh, I know. I got in trouble for that today in a staff meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Where everyone went, Erica, why don't you just say what you think? <laughs> and mine was you were just, oh, you were just so open about things that had happened in your life or the way you felt about things. Like, And, I mean, everyone says that about um when you're traveling and you meet people, don't you, you tend to divulge things because it's like, well, I've just got to tell you who I am. And because if, if this isn't going to work, we're not going to work. And we don't have all the time to go for years and years and years to establish a friendship. But I felt like you were just so honest. It was like, well, I've done this and this and this has happened in my life or this and this. And Andrew too, I just loved because Andrew just would sit there and giggle away and laugh and, and you would, being just so open and so honest and yeah i and i i hadn't thought about the southern hemisphere thing but that's a definite yes like there was a definite you know with you guys being south african and us australian i remember there was an instant thing with andrew too with cricket and rugby and and you know sport but it was it was also that home for christmas in the summer and growing up yeah you know with with a landmass and um, that connection. You're absolutely right. I hadn't ever factored that in. But, yeah, it, there is something we, where it's different. So I want to know how you remember us meeting, how we met. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think when we – I don't know if I remember. My memory is so bad. I blame it on the lightning and my ADHD combo. It's a one punch. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the where and the when – I just remember thinking that you were smart and you were funny and we were, and like that we were going to be, we needed to be friends because we just had the same um, approach. So I remember stalking you at the, um, the Hamburg walking around town thing, the, the tour. Ah, yeah, yeah. So I remember you walking with some people and thinking, Oh, you look so Zen and calm. And then I heard you had four children. I thought, no, I need to be. I need to meet that person who looks so zen and calm. 
<laughs> it was the day after Zeke had fallen out of the tree, so I was very, I was very not zen and calm. And, oh, I, dude, I remember you introducing yourself as like the mom whose kid fell out of the tree, and I was like, I'd vaguely heard about it from Charlotte at recess, but that was it, and like, but didn't really like. I had no name associated with Zeke at the time. I had nothing. <laughs> like this is a barren wasteland of Germans and you were like smiling funny happy and smart and like engaging and I was like good I'm done we're good <laughs> like this is gonna be a friend like there we go and then you guys came into the parent teacher thing with fourth grade and you said you said Colin said did we miss anything I said yeah you just have to quickly sing a song from your homeland He's- even before then because I called you when I had my accident on Halloween the first year I know. That's why I was so excited that you called me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being sorry you had the accident, but gleeful that you called me. <laughs> because I remember thinking, that's that's my friend now. She called me when she had a car accident. Okay, Nikki, I've returned back to Dayaha after my break over the summer. And, of course, back in May and June, it was waving goodbye to friends who were moving on elsewhere. And now I'm back and it's a little bit like musical chairs. Do you know there's there's those regular places that you drive past and you realise people that were great mates are now not here. There's the cars that give you the memory of, oh, is that? And then it's like, no, it's not because they don't live here anymore. Or you see a child that you think is the, you know, the child of a friend and then you think, no, it can't be them because they don't live here anymore. Anyway, I'm not going to wallow in it because I've been doing this gig for 20 years and I know I know what it is <laughs> and I know I have to pick myself up and put myself out there. So, Nikki, I put a post in the Two Fat Expats Facebook group yesterday with a little challenge. I'm giving myself till Christmas to make five new friends. So it's the hashtag five new friends by Christmas. And I started and I put a note out to um, our expats out there to say, what do you do? How do you do it? Where do you do it? What are your tips? Tell me what I'm doing. Yeah, and that's cheating. Because already now there's 150 people who've sent you Facebook friend requests. Come on. <laughs> no, you, yeah, there have been a few requests, but um, there's been some great tips as well on what to do. But tell me, Nikki, why, why do I know that I need to make friends? Do you know, like, because everything in your gut tells you, just don't do this to yourself. This is going to be hard. This is going to be really painful at the beginning. You're going to be awkward. You're going to be walking into a lot of rooms where you don't know anyone. Tell me, how. why is it that I put myself through this? Why do I know that I have to do this? Well, because friendships are important. They're important for a whole lot of reasons in your life. They're important for your mental health. They're important for you to return to an establishing new routines. They're important to create communities. They're just important. Mm. And there's lots of articles that we can refer people to about why friends are important, why it's in friends. And even though, you know, we all know the expats who have been in the same location for years and years and years, (coughs) Kirsty. And they they get like I'm full, friendships full, but it's never full because the beautiful world we live in is full of rotating friendships. So you get to have new ones because you lose old ones. I know it's hard, but it's really important. 
Yeah, yeah. And I know you're right. You bang on with the mental health thing because I think particularly someone like me, I mean, I, I've changed. I think a lot of people say they were introverted and then expat life made them extroverted. But I think I've almost gone full circle, do you know, because you've you've done it and you you go, oh, God, here I go. I've got to do this. But I think I also know that if, I, like I was someone in the office who needed the water cooler, um, I am someone in the expat world that needs to get energy off of other people as well. Yeah, me too. I also think that now more than ever, I remember my mum coming to Hong Kong for one of the first times and meeting my group of friends and saying, oh, coming home and saying, that is exhausting. That What a bunch of extroverted women. But I also, and I, and I am such an extrovert myself, but as I get older, I really feel that I'm really backing off and I need to have my downtime and almost, I'm not an introvert, but I just really appreciate my downtime more. But but I still know that I need to get energized and be around other people as well. Mm, and is it that when you've got smaller children too, that you you need to get out and connect with other people because you need the adult contact, 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 sorry, and you need, um, you need adult conversation, but also you would need to offload, you know, the terrible night you've had or all the poo that you've been cleaning up or the, <laughs> you know, the, the vomit that someone, you know, threw up on you in the middle of the night. But then maybe as that sort of dissipates a bit as your children get older, yeah, you don't, you don't feel that need. But I think what we need to remember is we really need communities. It's a, it's a proven fact that we as humans need communities and that that's something that can be taken away from you in the expat world of if you're not, if you don't feel like you're part of a community, you can start, things can start to get very dark. That's right. And as we talk about leavers and stayers, if you're, if you're a leaver and you're going to a new location, people assume that you need to make new friends and they're looking out for you. But if you're a stayer, People yes. think, oh, well, they might not necessarily be looking out for you as well, your, your friends from last year. And friendship groups change just like when you're at school. They, If someone leaves and someone comes, you know, it adjusts a little bit who you hang out with, how that changes. So introvert or extrovert, it's time. It's time to make friends. <laughs> do you know the other thing about being a stayer, though, too, is that I remember I used to do this to people. Like you'd meet someone and say, oh, how long have you been here for? And they'd say seven years and you'd think oh my god what's wrong with you like, what why would you be here for that long and I know when I've I've got a couple of really great friends here who own businesses here and that's why they're, they're not going anywhere anytime soon and I probably do take them for granted a little bit too because I know that they're not going anywhere anytime soon but I definitely do remember thinking oh god no way am I going to be here for seven years there's no way we're going to live here for that long no way <laughs> yeah here we are nine nine years I must say the thing about Hamburg is that there's a lot of people who are married to Germans so a lot of my friends expat friends are married to Germans so they're a love pats Mm -hmm. and they're here for the long term so when people talk about moving we're thinking about moving I'm always into yes you totally should move (laughs) (laughs) 
And yesterday in an expat, one of the local expat Facebook groups for English speakers, uh, someone wrote, oh, we've been here for four years. The kids are quite settled. We're not sure if we can move. And I said, and someone tagged me in and said, you know, Nikki Moffat's our local uh, expert. You might like to join this Facebook group, listen to this podcast. I've got my own marketers out there, Kirsty, doing it for free. Anyway, and I said, yes, thanks for tagging me. You know, we lived in Hong Kong from zero to six, and then we lived in uh, South Africa for these three years and the States for four years and now Germany. And then, and then, and then we're moving again. Surprise announcement. And, uh, and, and I got all these big, you know, the emoji with the big open mouth face. <laughs> So did you just say you're moving again? Oh, Kirsty Rice, yes. It's a possibility. What's 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 the hope of the expat life without the possibility of a move? <laughs> so maybe we need to explain your situation to everybody of what's happening in your life right now. Yeah, why not? It's awesome. <laughs> so what's happening? <laughs> So what's happening right now is my kids have gone back to school and my son has just started grade 11 and he's doing the IB diploma program, which as everyone knows is a two-year program. Uh, my daughter's in grade seven and my husband has just been offered a job in Copenhagen to the north. Don't look north. It gets darker there earlier. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> and he was it's a great job he was happy to accept it but he accepted it based on the fact that it's going to be tough to move our son we've talked about those reasons before and we would like him to stay here to finish school so that's another well two years from now pretty much yeah or a bit less than two years and so the company are very supportive of that uh and so my husband is going to become an international commuter He's going to commute on the trains uh, Monday to Friday and weekends in Hamburg, Monday to Friday in the Hagen. So so you're not moving? So we're not moving. Well, that's a good question. Are we moving? Are we not moving? Uh, that's all up in the air because, of course, we have the lovely international immigration processes and we're currently working on all sorts of visa things. So we can't say 100% right now what's happening. But we can say that this week my husband's in Copenhagen for the week. <laughs> but, so and we're would, here. So what you would like to happen is you would like to stay in Hamburg, you and the kids, while your eldest gets through year 11 and 12 and then go and join your husband in Copenhagen. But what you're waiting on is a visa approval to allow you to stay in Hamburg without your husband. That's correct. Yes. The, the visa and configuration so, determines that. Nikki, there'll be, I'm sure, a smattering of people who will say, oh, yes, yeah, sounds fair. And then there'll be another smattering of people that'll go, oh, but how could you not live with your husband um, and uh, have, be a part as a family? And what would you say to them? Well, I'd say... That's a really good question and I don't know, but it is something that we decided as a family. We sat yeah. down and we had very lengthy, detailed, emotional discussions and we talked about moving as a family 
And that was not the preferred option by half that fifty percent of the household, the small people. And we had we had previously talked about staying here for my son to complete his schooling. So he, in his mind, he was staying, and and that was it. And kind of feel like you're on a bit of a promise with him that. Yeah, I do. Yeah, and every other time we've moved, we haven't really given the kids an option. We've talked about moving and we've prepared them for moving, but we haven't really been in a position to say, okay, guys, let's stay in South Africa for a couple of years while dad works in the States. Like that's not really <laughs> ever going to be an option. So in, the, and people talk about different times, different seasons, different reasons. And yes. to give two years of our family's time to this endeavor we as a family made the decision that that's the right decision for us. And I understand why people think it's right and I understand why people think it's wrong. And don't worry, plenty of people have already given me their insight on that. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. And I guess we need to point out too that Hamburg to Copenhagen is like a four-hour commute, isn't it? Because it's a, a car ride, a ferry ride, and then you're there, right? Yeah. So it's car, ferry, car, and, yeah, but we will probably just stick with one car. Copenhagen is a massive biking city. Right. My husband's going to live in an apartment, which is less than a five-minute walk from the office, um, and he will commute via train most weekends. So he'll come home on the train, have the Wi-Fi, do his work on the train, you know, a real European computer. Yes. And we'll see how we go. Yeah. You know, we'll all have to see how we go. It's like anything. It's like before you make your first overseas move, you don't really know how it's going to go. You've just got to plan, put your faith in it, and then throw everything in the air. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. So now we've explained your life situation so that any any time we make these comments, people will actually understand. <laughs> but back to the making friends. Uh, one point that I wanted to make that I think is really important to anyone out there listening, because I know I know it can be very easy to tell yourself, oh, we're going to move in 12 months' time or I'm not here for long or I don't need those friends or, or, or whatever. Like you can convince yourself that the fact if you've got a strong Wi-Fi connection, good Netflix <laughs> and good decent coffee, then really who needs to make any new friends? You're just fine. But I think there's something that we need to remember and that is that mostly in your expat life you don't have that family and you really are relying on your friends to be your family and you know how can you find new guardians temporary guardians for your children if you don't make any friends in a new country that's right that's right who's your emergency contact um yeah who's going to pick you up after that colonoscopy you've just had yeah I mean but but more of a fact that you know Friends, your expat friends are the family that you choose. And I think it's it's sometimes a little bit too easy to sort of step back and say, oh, it's all too hard, I'll, I'll, I'll ha- tackle that later or I don't need that right now or whatever, but you are missing out. And uh, Exhibit A is a picture that I put on Instagram today uh, that we will share on our Two Fat Expats Insta as well. But I took myself out for lunch today with um, a woman who's a friend of a friend and I 
had actually met her, we think it must have been about 12 years ago in Houston. But neither of us can really remember where we were when we met. We just remember a vague, a vague meeting. And um, I, I, of course, remember what I ate, but I can't remember anything else. Oh, and I remembered that her husband <laughs> barracked for the West Coast Eagles. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I didn't know if we were going to be fast friends or not. But, you know, I've just had the best lunch where it turns out we, we actually have two children that are of, of very similar in age and sort of similar scenarios with thinking about universities and sort of the, was able to have one of those conversations that you can only have about teenage children and children that are going to university and um, issues of travel and relationships and back and forth and home and setting up home and, and whatever and all those things and making new friends and moving and whatever. And just I think you forget how much um, an hour with someone like that can be. I've, I've not had therapy, but to me that I imagine is what good therapy feels like where you walk out going, oh, Oh, I've got a bit of a spring in my step and I'm ready to, you know, take on unpacking that ex- that, that room upstairs <laughs> that needs to be unpacked, but, you know, feeling good about making a new friend. And I just, yeah, I guess that's my my word of, the, of caution for someone who's been an expert for 20 years, you know, as much as you don't want to, as much as it might be um, killing you, get you've got to put yourself out there. Okay, so some of the ways that you can make friends. Oh, I've got the four Bs, book club, boot camp, babies and blogging. So what about you, Nikki? What else? <laughs> well, running, hash, harriers, sports teams. I played hockey in Hong Kong. Hong Kong was my hockey place and ten- and the US was my tennis place. So I always think about those sports in terms of countries I've lived in, but any, any sport you're into, Join a sporting team. Tennis is a great one, isn't it? I'm not a tennis player, but it definitely I've definitely encouraged my kids to be tennis people because it is one of those sports that you can just pick up a racket and join in in a game of doubles, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, someone else said, oh, it used to be the bar and now it's the playground, and I loved it because then someone older said, don't worry, you'll be back in the bar in no time. <laughs> <laughs> I think signing up for any courses is a good idea. I know here we have uh, VCU, uh, one of the universities here, has lots and lots of courses that you can sign up for. So that's always a good one. And those clubs by nationality, you know, the the ANZIC and the American women's and the Canadian women's or whatever. And it doesn't have to be women's. It can be the internations or any one of those. Yeah, and the good thing about those clubs is they often have subgroups. So they'll have the opera group and they'll have the film review group and they'll have the newsletter group. And so you don't have to go to every single thing. You can choose the things in them that you're actually interested in. Mm. The other thing about clubs is obviously always book club. Um, And in Hamburg, I go to cookbook club as well. So that's, I like clubs. I'm into clubs now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that post from Rachel who said about, 11 years ago, she put a post in a women's forum that she was starting Weight Watchers online and did anyone else want to meet up for sort of local accountability. And so these women all started to get together and there were five of them. And each week they would 
get together and confess their their weight and how they'd been going for that week. Now, I have met Rachel and I know the women she's talking about, they all did lose a shitload of weight. But what was even more beautiful <laughs> is all of those women have now moved on and they still get together. I see them online all the time getting together. They surprise each other for birthdays and, you know, meet up in exotic locations and head to Spain and head to Egypt and meet up in London. And it's really beautiful. And all of that from someone putting a post on a forum saying, I'm going to join Weight Watchers. And that's the other thing. So if you just, it's something that's your interest. So we can't all be extroverts, Kirsty. Uh, some people are introverts and that's, that's maybe sometimes hard for us to relate to. But if you are an introvert and you do find it a little bit harder, I'm not you, so I don't know, but I understand that. Go somewhere where you're doing something. So something is of interest to you. So maybe playing cards or the famous stitch and bitch clubs, something like that, pottery uh, classes. Yeah, something where there's something else to distract all the other people who want to be talking all the time. <laughs> so you don't have to talk. You can still do something that's of interest to you, but you don't have to inject yourself so much into the conversation. Yeah. There was a woman who said she used to be a headhunter for seven years and she uses those skills and she was really bloody serious about it. She said, I set a strategy and then I deep dive to the ground, digital networking, referrals, proactive approaches, find suitable candidates and and, <laughs> and be at the potential ground standing out. Um, stop, 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 stop. <laughs> That's all subtitled stalking. But social media and Facebook, Instagram, local expat groups are all great places to meet people as and well. And this is when we usually do the back in my day when there was no, <laughs> no I was an expat before Facebook. <laughs> and that's why I had to go to YWCA learn, meet a friend classes in Hong yeah, Kong. You don't realise how easy you have it. <laughs> That's right. You can find all these classes now and these volunteering opportunities, language classes, all online. You don't have to go out and look we for had them. We to walk 20 miles in the snow with no shoes to get to Bunko. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anyway, I think there's lots of ways there that we've talked about to make new friends. So if you have moved and you do need to make new friends and maybe you don't have school kids or maybe your kids are older, or maybe you've moved without kids. Congratulations, you're living my dream. <laughs> and then there are lots of different ways to make friends. And if you're a stayer and you're looking around and your friendship group is a little looser and you're looking for some new people, even if you're not looking, just try and join in Kirstie's challenge, even though she's a big cheater and she's already had five friends for Christmas. And we'd love to see you on the socials. So go to Instagram and tag hashtag frexpats hashtag tfe challenge and hashtag fat friends and we want to see you and we'd love to share them on our social media channels too because we want to show that fatties everywhere are so friendly yes and the one last thing Nikki, that we didn't mention was uh, we talked about people who are introverted and maybe finding you know things that you could do but i did hear a great story and i'm not sure how much i can share because the woman who sent it to me sort of said that um She's that she didn't want me to say exactly who she was, but so without sort of saying that much, she explained that she finds going to 
big gatherings with lots of people and she's she finds it exhausting and she's a long-term expat and she just um, lives in a very busy city where she was stuck in traffic all the time anyway. And so she started up her own group where they did their own thing and it was very much charity-based. They were making something for someone and she found other people that wanted to get involved with the charity that she had sort of started and people would all come together and make these things for charity. And I just thought it sounded really good because she said she would just, if she does it in the morning, she puts out coffee and a cake in the morning. And if she does it at night, she puts out a bottle of wine and people come and share a glass of wine while they help her make these items for charity. And I just thought it was such a beautiful story for, okay, you know, not everybody can walk into a room with 50 people and find their people it is too overwhelming. So maybe maybe there's an alternative of something you can do in that way. Yeah, absolutely. There are many, many different ways to do it and I'm sure there are more we haven't mentioned. Canasta, Bunko, Kirsty, I heard you signing up for Bunko. Yes, is that true? I, I am not sure, but I have heard there's Bunko. <laughs> And I'm I'm torn. I went to Bunko, I want to say it was about 13 years ago. Oh, no, I can tell you what it was. It was 15 years ago. And I, I didn't love it. Uh, but I'm wondering, does that mean if you didn't love it 15 years ago, does that mean you're not going to love it now? And maybe it... No, it doesn't. <laughs> And maybe you've just got to try these things and I've said I'm going to try these things. So one of the things I'm doing is on Monday I'm going to go to Indian cooking classes. There's a woman um, on my compound who is Indian and she is hosting cooking classes. She's going to teach me how to make my own butter chicken. I, I do know how to make butter chicken, but I don't know how to make proper Indian butter chicken. So that's Monday morning. So I'm hoping I'm going to meet a few people there. And there's Bunko. And also I've been told there's jewellery exhibition of some sort as well that I'm going to go to. But this is what I'm trying to do, Nikki. I'm trying to open myself up to just go to anything, to accept every invitation, to go to anything that's available and put myself out there. And for faith-based people as well, Bible study or, you know, a religious group is also, can also be a way to meet someone in a new location. Yes. Now, Nikki, we were going to do a new segment this this uh, season called I Spy with My Expat Eye. <laughs> And it was going to be things that we have seen or heard in our expat world that maybe we hadn't seen or heard or read before. And here's one that I would love to hear from others on cultural norms. So Helen that works for us um, had a baby last year and um, she named him. His name is Fakur and now... um, it's this year. Her baby's going to be turning one next month and um, she has changed the name. And I love the new name. It's beautiful. It's Elkin, which is a biblical name. So she's changed the name and he's about to be one and it, and it's got me thinking because, you know, I named my youngest son Henry and there's a lot of Henrys out there. He's now... he's 13 is it too late (laughs) because i really really like the name it might be too late 
So that's how you choose your children's names, right? So I chose my children's names because they were nowhere near the top 100. And now my daughter's name is in the top 20. Yes. And But it was not 13 years ago today when she was born. Oh. 13 years ago. Yes. Aren't we both so very lucky that we have both have 13-year-olds in our houses? Um, but as <laughs> so you say, lucky. do you know, that? that's also another thing where it's cultural as well because my Henry was born in Canada where there were really no, not many Henrys at all. And when he was born, uh, one of the doctors called him Hank and we said, what? And <laughs> they said, Hank. And we said, why would you be saying Hank? And they said, because Hank is short for Henry. And we went, is it? And I never, <laughs> ever had occurred to me that that's what Hank was short for. Do you know, I didn't have a lot of friends called Hank and I didn't realise that Hank was short for Henry. <laughs> and so I was... Maybe you should have gone yes. with Hank. There wouldn't be. There's no Hanks in in his classes. In uh, no other Hanks in his classes in Doha or Australia. I no. would imagine. And so in Canada, it was quite unique. And people could say, "Oh, that's a very old name, isn't it?" You know, all of my kids have very old names. But um, of course, then you head on back to Australia when he's sort of a couple of years old, and someone says, "Oh, yeah, there's seven Henrys in my baby group." <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, but yes, what I would like to know culturally, like what it what is the date? Like I know a lot of people take I've had friends who've taken a long time to name a baby, and really not that long. I think that's a bit of a celebrity thing too, isn't it? Where people take two months to name the baby. Most people come home from the hospital with the with the name. But I wondered, you know, is that a is is that another one of those culture things? How what is the moratorium on how old your child? Changing the name. You say, well, actually, that name doesn't suit you. I don't like it. I want to change it to this. If someone could just tell us, that'd be yes. great because we'd love to know. Yes. Okay, Nikki, we were also going to do three favourite things. Do you have three favourite things at the moment? Well, I have so many favourite things because, as you know, I'm always collecting favourite things, usually to do with shows I'm watching and podcasts I'm listening to. I do have a favourite podcast I'd like to tell you about. Well, not a favourite, but something that I think is important and actually ties in quite well with themes we've been discussing over the last few months or so. It's a podcast called Why Did You Push That Button? And it's from The Verge. And it's about the choices that technology forces us to make. It's run by two girls called Ashley and Caitlin. And it says they ask the hard, weird, occasional dumb questions about how your tiny tech decisions impact your social life. And they're millennials. And so they certainly have a different way of talking about things and listening to. Some episode titles include what keeps people on Snapchat, why you'll never quit Amazon Prime. Why do you slide into DMs? <laughs> Why do iPhone users judge people with green text? And I know you do, Kirsty, because I, I have an Android. <laughs> but they did have one thing. So there are those kind of sort of more interesting episodes. But there, there was some. There, there were three episodes I thought were very important, and they're about death online. They're in season four, episode five, and I will put the link in the show notes. The first one was called "Planning Your Digital Afterlife: Digital Death Planning." And long story short, if you want to RIP, you have to plan ahead, which I thought was important. It said it can be as important as your will because so much of your life is stored online. So it should be when you set up your will, you should actually set up a person, allocate a person to be your digital afterlife person slash shutdown man. 
woman. And what they're trying to do is some people are, well, there are some movements that when you set up an account, you should nominate someone. If, if I die, this person can then deal with closing my account. Because unless you have a list of every single password, you know, it's pretty hard to shut down all your online accounts. And if you planning, you know, if you get, if something happens and you, you know, you've got the big file going, mm. that's great. You can think of all the, all the things, you know, you get an email every second day and think, oh yeah, I belong to that app or I belong here or there. You might not actually have a complete list of every single place that you're online. Mm. And after you die, no one can access it except you if, if the passwords don't exist. So I just thought it was very important to think about. Um, and do they suggest that you um, have all your passwords locked away so that, uh, you know, I know that with my my boss, you know, I work for the Barefoot Investor and he has the legacy project, you know, where you have your folder and all of that stuff is there so that if anything happens to you, your kids can come in, they know how to get the passwords, they know how to get in and shut everything down. Did that, was that their suggestion that you yeah. leave that for someone? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like, yeah, so it's like that exists for, most people have that for their bank accounts and for, you know, main things, yes. but they don't really have it for every single thing that they belong to or that they're a member yes. of. Think about all the things, that, you know, remember when we've gone through before and said, look at every subscription oh, you have gotcha. and think about, you know, yeah. yeah, like, so they say that it's really important. And, and one guy, and especially for people, you know, in this world of influencers and all this kind of stuff, these people have massive online presence and uh, they interviewed a guy who has a whole digital afterlife will. It's it's ho- it's totally separate and talks about what he wants done with his things. Does he want his account taken down or does he want it changed? Does he want it kept? Does he want photos to be there? Does he want his funeral service uploaded? You know, it was it was quite an interesting conversation, and I think it it just another one added to the barefoot investor, added to conversations we've already had on here. It's just something to think about, I think, which is quite important. Yeah. Anyway, that was one of my favourite things. The other one was um, that I watched The Handmaid's Tale Season 3 over the holidays and I loved it. So I just want to do a shout-out. I can't imagine there's anyone who wanted to watch it that hasn't watched it yet, but it was out there. And my third thing is it's my daughter's birthday today and she's been in a good mood all day. (laughs) So that's one of my favourite things. And what does a 13-year-old girl get in your house for her birthday? Ariana Grande concert tickets. Ah, Hello. Now, wasn't there some drama with Ariana cancelling and coming back or doing something? What happened? There was. And did she? And I don't like Ariana. Right. <laughs> she, she was meant to be here two weeks ago and she postponed for a ah. month. So two more weeks and she'll be in town. Wonderful. Okay, so very quickly, my three things were I love how the story of Survivor is playing out at the moment. So there is Australian Survivor as well as American Survivor, and I'm sure there's many other survivors. I cannot believe that American Survivor is still going. It's like the longest-running reality TV series, I think. Yeah. And And I'm sure I read somewhere that they that basically all the Survivor series are just in perpetual motion. Do you know those crews just go from one Survivor venue to the next, setting up the new one? It's the most expensive television series made, I believe, because they have this enormous crew that go and set up all the challenges and get everything happening and whatever. 
but what has happened in Australian Survivor this week and I think by the time as we're filming the final decision was made yesterday so this is a warning to anyone who hasn't seen it I am about to spoil it for you if you haven't but it's it had got down to the final three where um one is a, an Australian actress, the other one is an astrophysicist doing his PhD and the other one is a guy who has a family at home with, I believe it's two autistic children and a, and a brand new baby with cystic fibrosis. And Oh, my yes. God. And, of course, everyone's gunning for this guy to win and he's quite the character and he's won a lot of challenges and so he was making his way there but, of course, he gets to the final challenge and he doesn't win the immunity idol and so there's this moment, you know, where he is an absolute mess and he's basically begging the others to keep him and knowing full well that they won't because everyone's going to vote for him to win the half a meal because... You know, he's got such a good backstory and is very deserving. Anyway, he gets booted out. But what I found fascinating is basically the Australian community immediately started a crowdfunding um, thing for him and he now has more money than he ever would have had if he'd won Survivor because everybody wants to, you know, donate money to him, which I think Oh, God, I'm so conflicted by those I things. know. And what what is interesting is, you know, we all mock reality TV, but this is a guy with a real situation. And, yes, I'm conflicted too because you would think, well, there's so many deserving people out there and whatever, but I guess everybody got to know him and they wanted to help him. And it was one of those, you know, it was an episode that you couldn't not cry and watch when he uh, was voted out because you knew how how much it was going to change his family's life if he won. But, yeah, it really I thought it was just quite interesting that this is this the next step in these things, do you know, because I the, the cynical side of me kept thinking, yeah, but you are going to become such a huge sensation anyway. Your life's going to be changed forever as it is, do you know, people you know, yeah. sell as many attempts. So someone else should win the money? No, I don't, I don't think I had any care of who was more deserving, but I was thinking your life is going to change anyway because you have become this larger-than-life character. Do you know, like, you know, yeah. people will look after you and there will be money to be made. But I did think it was beautiful that his story had touched so many people and people were willing to, I guess it's like the old days of the telethon, isn't it, where you rang in and (laughs) donated. Yes. Anyway, and just uh, quickly, this is sort of two things rolled into one is the series The Hunting, which was on SBS in Australia. It was made um, by an Australian woman called Sophie Hyde, who is an Australian film director, and she created The Hunting for SBS. It's a four-part series and it's about teen sexting and a scandal that happens. I have only watched the first half of the first episode because I literally started watching it went, this is really, really good. I need to watch this with my children. And so I've got two teens coming back, you know, next week and that is on my plan that we'll sit down and I'll watch it together because it's the whole story of a girl who shares a photo or she's caught in a compromising position. The photo gets shared. It makes its way everywhere. And it's kind of between the two families and 
whether it's going to go to court and and who's in the right or wrong or if there is a right or wrong. But the second part two of that, and this sums into my three favourite things, is there's actually a great interview with Mia Friedman on No Filter where I listened to it last night with Sophie Hyde and I guess it touched a point with me because I, I have two teenage daughters and I have spent so much of my time sort of saying to them, just don't take the photo. Do you know, if you don't take the photo and you don't share the photo, then this this can never happen. And listening to this podcast kind of changed my view very much in, um, you know, you, you're putting the blame sort of towards them if you're if the emphasis is on them not taking so, yes, you know, it's, it's so hard. hard. It's because you, you're trying to bait, break the bonds of the patriarchal society who's conditioned you to think a certain yes. way. Yeah, and she made the point that it says two out of three young women between the ages of 12 and 18 in Australia have been asked to send a nude photo of themselves. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. That's Yeah, hard. and so... And you own two. Yeah. You own two of and those. And this woman has spent months researching why teens send nude selfies. And it's really, look, I, I, I won't ruin it for everybody, but go and have a listen. But it really will um, sort of make you think about one of the, one of the analogies she knew, used was, you know, for us it was the telephone you know, our generation would get on the phone, which was something our parents didn't really understand. Do you remember you'd you'd be yes. with someone all day and then you'd be on the phone for two hours and your parents would say, why do you need to be on the phone for two hours? You've just spent the entire day with them. And we didn't say, oh, sorry, Mum, the telephone made me do it. Um, but too often now we, we blame the technology without without focusing on the decisions that were made behind it. Do you know, it's not we say, oh, thank God I didn't have social media in my day or, you know, that that it's all this terrible technology without sort of thinking about what it's actually about because for so many of these boys it wasn't about the nude photo, it was about the power that that nude photo gave them, that they knew that they could wield enormous power by having that in their control and being able to share it and shame with it. Um, so, yeah, it just, I, I think the series is called The Hunting. Uh, I watched it on SBS and I can get SBS on demand um, through my Apple TV here. Um, so if anyone wants to look it up, so hunting. And then the interview on No Filter, it, the woman is Sophie Island and um, with Mia Friedman. So, yeah, they would be my um, top three things. Perfect. Well, we have not been on air for a while, people, listeners, dear listeners. So if you are listening and you have never given us a review, if you could please go to the application that you use to listen to us and give us a review, a rating and a review would be our favourite choice. Uh, Another thing you could do is tell a friend, share it, send a link to someone and say, I think you'd really like this, especially if there's someone that needs to make new friends. (laughs) We'd love to hear. We'd also love to hear from you so you can go to our website, www.twofatexpats anytime and click the microphone and send us a voicemail. We'd love to listen to it and we often like to share them as well. That's it. Oh, the other thing is if you make a new friend like Kirsty, a race with Kirsty, five friends for Christmas, <laughs> make sure to tag us on the socials and hashtag Frexpats, hashtag TFE challenge, hashtag fat friends.
I think that's it. Kirsty Rice, anything else? No, we're all good. Let's do it. And I'll uh, chat to you next week, Nikki Moffat. Goodbye, Kirsty Rice.